Welcome to Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. We're two sex educators and research nerds who love talking about sex and relationships. This has been an online dating podcast where we overanalyze profiles and read between the pickup lines. However, in this episode, we're switching it up to take a step back and consider how we make sense of ourselves and relationships. And when we say relationships, we include sexual, romantic, platonic, and more. So before we even open the apps, let's get into the beautiful mess of human connection. Welcome back, and thank you for joining us for another episode of Before You Swipe. I'm Dr. Lauren. And I'm Dr. Chris. And we are continuing our conversation from last season on Andy Nordgren's Nine Principles of Relationship Anarchy. And today we're going to talk about um, who we tell and how we tell people about our relationship structures. And this can be, you know, tricky if we are breaking normative expectations and, you know, trying to decide who deserves to know what, when, how, yada, yada. So Chris, I, and oh, and so the plan is that we're going to start with a little story time uh, talking about our strategies, and then we'll go into some broader conversations. Yeah. Are you, are you ready, Chris? Sure. I mean, I was thinking about this, like the, well, I mean, I always think about it because it's, it's something that comes up in my life a lot. And then I also was just thinking about it in the, you know, five to 10 minutes we were talking about this before the episode and, and to start very sort of plainly and possibly boringly when it comes to like work relationships and things like that, like, I just don't bother, like, and, and does it become annoying to me sometimes? Yes. But I've also decided that these are people that don't really deserve to know, or I don't feel comfortable telling them because of professional boundaries and things like that. And I'm finding it sort of increasingly difficult to do that, especially around holiday seasons when you're allowed to bring like a plus one to Mm -hmm. your holiday parties. And last year when I did it, I brought a certain plus one uh, that I have like more of a queer platonic relationship with and like everyone just assumed they were my, like a life partner kind of person. And, Mm -hmm. and and I was like, fine, you don't have, like, I'm not going to explain myself. I'm not going to sit there and say, you know, like, there's just no reason to do it. And at the same time, it, it is hard though, sometimes. So it's like, it feels, you know, somewhat inauthentic to sort of not take the time to correct or to educate or to just and, and sometimes it's just too exhausting. So I don't, so like, that's sort of one example of like where I just choose not to say anything. Um, clearly anybody I'm in a very close relationship with, um, I tell. And so that that happens and some people want to know more about what that means. Other people I negotiate, you know, some basic, you know, like, how much do you want to know about other people in my life? How much do you, and different people will answer differently. Yeah. So like there's that, but they know. So like they, they're not assuming we're on an escalator together or, you know, in, in some kind of monogamous relationship in the way that people are used to like, or potentially assuming that that's how that works. Uh, and then part- then trusted others. Oh, sorry. I'm just, I'm Oh, just I just wanted to, yeah, no, 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 you're doing great. I, I just wanted to jump in and sort of uh, restate some things that I'm hearing. So we've got workplace as being 
uh, not a space where you share a lot of personal details. So that makes total sense that you wouldn't be like, here, let me explain relationship anarchy to you and every person in my network. Like, of course not in that context. And then when you're talking about the people you're close with, that's also referring to people like using my language of constellation. That's the folks who are in the constellation. So it's, you know, letting a dating partner know about your close platonic people and helping them understand that these are not hierarchical relationships and, and yada, yada. So just making it's like across all relationships that fall into that close category you're sharing that that's how you're. Relating. Absolutely. And I think sometimes that is really important to, to denote because the other, sometimes then the assumption goes the other way, which is like, oh, these are people you're quote unquote close to. That means you're like fucking them or being sexual <laughs> with them in some way, which doesn't necessarily also have to be true. Right. It's just like, this person's exceedingly important to me. And there's back to like, the, like, you are not just because we are, you know, sharing bodily fluids does not mean that you are like automatically get to like the the top of the mountain most important person status, right? Yeah. Like, so having those conversations, I think sometimes does confuse people too. Um, yeah. I remember just like the other day, I was, um, I was out with a bunch of friends, and I have like a smooch buddy that I was with, and they were. <laughs> They were concerned about us, you know, kissing because basically they were like, oh, because, but, but like, oh, I felt weird because this other person was also at the party. And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. Like, thank you. That's really sweet of you to like be concerned or whatever, but it's like, no, like that, that's not, that's not a boundary thing. And in fact, this person actually had said, I hope you get some smooching in. So like they were very supportive of it. So it's just this, yeah, it's very interesting to just like sometimes feel like you need to remind people they hear your words, but they might not believe it. Um, And so there's this, it's not renegotiation, but it, it is, I do find myself repeating myself among those who I do want to, or really feel like I should be sharing. um, Yeah. It's hard. Well, no, those are some examples, I guess I have. Yeah. So I would say I am similar. I do have some people from my workplace, but it's, a, you know, a big institution. Um, so I have some people from my workplace that actually are, to me, they're in my constellation. Mm-hmm. But but generally speaking at my workplace, absolutely not. I'm not telling anyone anything about how my world is structured, who I'm connected to and what that means to me I just I choose for similar reasons just not to bring it in I will say because of certain roles I have at the institution I also do look at policy sometimes and so parental rights access to insurance those kinds of things that will sometimes get entangled for me and I feel like I'm speaking for myself while I'm actually advocating for other people so this stuff can get really tangled Um, And it's, again, just got to be up to the person to figure out, do you want to be advocating from an I place or speaking more broadly about how policies might be exclusionary? Yeah. Um, So that's even looking at that the other, I think it was just today, even like looking at there's, you know, when you have chosen family and you have, you know, people that you're really close to, I was looking at our bereavement leave policy and it it's like you get three days for these people in your life and one day for these people in your life 
And oh my gosh. Also, I mean, so first of all, no close friends, but they've actually determined like, oh, you're going to automatically be closer to these kinds of people in your life, like parents and uh, a spouse or a child. And then, and then the one day people were like aunts and uncles. And, you know, I can't remember exactly where the hierarchy was, but there was a distinction between who gets the three day and who gets the one day. And that is like, <laughs> so not like, and so in that case, would it like, if like somebody in my consolation dies, would I be like, no, you don't understand. Like this person meant more to me than, you know, than, than one, someone on this list, like, you know, yeah. like a, you know, that kind of thing. Well, and this goes back to, right, we can see how this stuff is baked into policies and baked into, yeah. you know, the relationship escalator is, and this idea of the quote unquote nuclear family and who should be most important and that bloodlines often are like the things people should care about as opposed to, yeah, like you said, chosen family. It's a real, I mean, this is again, why it can be really hard to talk about this stuff when you're looking at a policy and going, I am erased, my relationships are erased from this policy. It's like, that's a really good reason to think carefully about who you share with, how you share it. Um, and whether you want to advocate for a change or not is it's again, gotta be personal decision-making. Yeah. And I do understand that like, that might be a time when work, I mean, I hope not just, but you know, everybody dies. So like, yeah. you know, at some point, will I, you know, have to then talk to work about this sort of thing or do you, because yeah. I get it from their side, right. You don't want abusing like, Oh, this person that I sort of kind of knew in high school once they died, I need three days off. Right. Like, you know, yeah. like they, they're, they're looking at it from a place of people might abuse the system or something. And I feel like, yeah, yeah. go ahead. Sorry. I was, yeah, I was just saying, and that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about who is close to you that you need that time off to, to grieve, to recover. To be functional. Know, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, three days isn't enough anyway. We can you no. know, deal with that, but like, you know, like, okay, then, you know, fine, I'll show up and it's not going to be good. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, and again, like, it'd be so easy to say to people, just don't make it that you're dictating what role they have, you know, give yeah. people, f you know, five to seven bereavement tickets or what it makes me think of like having your past to go to the bathroom or something and it's like you have so many <laughs> use them wisely like which was also terrible but I can't I mean it's just it's such a vile it feel to me as a person who does not plan to get married in the future like I just I just yeah that's such an act of it feels like aggression like aggressively putting you on the escalator and you know, that does also create the context where maybe I would get married, but not for any of the typical reasons. It would purely be to access rights. And that's terrible. Yeah, yeah um, for, sure, for sure. But also creative good strategies. Um, when I start thinking about other people who I share with, I mean, honestly, it's mostly about, it's like a cost benefit or risk analysis or something of does it hurt me to have this person not understand my life and who is important to me or does it protect me from their judgment right because we know as we've talked about in the in season five and in a lot of our previous episodes there's so much pressure to conform and so much misinformation and so yeah. just feeling like the amount of talking you're gonna have to do to explain this to someone 
is that worth the emotional labor? Like what's the the payoff in terms of how we relate to each other in the future? Um, so that's huge for me. And I think one thing that's been interesting is as I've gone deeper into practicing relationship anarchy and as the world has gotten a bit scarier and scarier over time, I've constructed a constellation for myself of the people that I, you know, think through really intentionally. How are we going to support each other? Like having your disaster plan with people, right? Um, but some of those people that I hold and really, they're like deeply um, in my constellation, some of them don't know. Like I haven't shared with them or asked if, you know, is this a mutual thing? And and to some extent it's fine because like I'm making space to feel protective and to ask for things they need. But it all, I don't know. I think there's a little fear of rejection maybe if you're talking to someone and using terms that they may conflate with ethical non-monogamy or polyamory and they may be like I'm not into you in that way and it's like I'm not into you that way either like that's not what we're talking about <laughs> right and and just not wanting that to you know taint a beautiful relationship like the the wanting to be able to talk through the goals and values and how we relate to each other is different than using a particular set of terms, I think for me. Yeah. yeah. And it does. Yeah. The labeling does become difficult. Like, you know, I reading other people's opinions on these things are like takes, uh, oh shoot. The author of the, the one book on relationship anarchy. Like, Juan Carlos. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember last name. Sorry. sorry. We're bad Sorry. at that. But anyway, so he like he says he responds to uh, questions like that on I just he just says I do relationships differently and which I do like and I've sort of adopted that a little bit in the sense of again because it's you know what the assumptions that people make when you bring a person to a an event yeah. or or just this idea of then you bring a different person to an event not you know like a little bit later, you know, so there's that kind of stuff. Um, or Sanu the Poly Fairy, for example, also, you know, just refuses to answer the question, like, how many relationships are you in? Because again, some of the relationships, um, this Insta influencer, I guess, or whatever, uh, you know, talks about are like, well, some of my relationships, right, they're platonic, but they're very deeply, and yep. they're very deeply meaningful. So it's just like, well, what do you mean by how many relationships am I in? You know, like how many Facebook friends I have, like those kinds of relationships, like close relationships, sexual relationships, but sexual doesn't matter maybe as, you know, as, as much as this emotionally intimate, like, so it is like these different ways and like, you know, and sometimes I just, I will, I've said before, it's just like, well, there's really a lot of, you know, there's many people that who are important to me in my life. Yeah. Kind of thing. So. Yeah. I, and it's so interesting because there's for, for me as someone who identifies as an activist, it's like, I feel this strange tension of, well, if I don't talk about it, I'm not helping dismantle the ideas people are holding on to. And also I just want to honor that like, we can't, we don't have to be activists in every moment. And Go, mm -hmm. like going back to the emotional labor stuff or risk of harm like I'm even as we're talking I'm feeling that tension inside of me of like oh but are we betraying <laughs> all of our principles oh, yeah. for change you know it's it's but when it's your when you're talking about your specific existence and deciding whether you talk to people about the specific ties that matter the most to you 
I feel like that can fall into a really different category than more broadly being at a dinner party and being like, oh, well, have you heard of relationship anarchy? I do more of that kind of conversing or in classes I'm teaching or sending links to stuff from Instagram with friends. Like I will try to do more of that kind of disruption. And I'm mm -hmm. sure they assume that I'm, you know, doing all these, they assume that's part of my identity and I'm fine with that. Um, and hopefully they'd ask, <laughs> but um, so that's how I kind of make sense of the, some of the tensions I feel within myself of like, oh, I'm not doing the quote unquote good work um, and creating good trouble to, to create change. Yeah. I will, I will say though, it's been interesting because there's certain relationships that form and I find most often the place of big conversation is if there's any kind of sexual or romantic tie, not surprisingly, even among people who identify as polyamorous or ethical non-monogamy, like there's still sort of that additional unlearning um, and making sure it's really clear to them. Like you will not have a monopoly on my time. I need you to understand that, you know, if we're talking about sexual risk, like, no, I'm not sleeping with this person, but they are going to take a, a lot of my time. And that's a committed relationship I'm in. Yeah. Um, and yeah. so those become negotiations that feel currently feel easier as new people enter. It's, it feels easy to start from that place. Sort of like in the, the previous episodes, I acknowledged it's in my dating profile <laughs> that I'm yeah. a relationship anarchist. So I, I found that pretty fascinating and different connections want to know different things. Like you were saying, some people want to know lots of details, other people don't. And so we also want to be responsive to the preferences and the comfort level of whoever we're bringing into our constellation. Um, yeah. And yes, and I like how you're bringing up too, there's, you know, there's practicalities associated with this. So yes, one of the uh, relationship anarchist principles is love is abundant. And we are, you know, we also then add, but, you know, time is limited. Like yeah. Time mm -hmm. is a finite resource. And so your heart can go out to several people. Your, your time just can't because, yeah. because it's an actual limited resource. So, you know, and then, so talking to people about, yes, where do you spend your, you know, your, your love energy and also mm -hmm. then your time energy. Yeah. And I think also we can have conversations with people like I have some folks that are like across the globe who are extremely um, literally on the other, you know, hemisphere situation. Right, We are yeah. a day away. Um, and we've had conversations about how we maintain our tie. And when we are not geographically uh, near, we have, you know, moments of check in, but neither of us reads into and this has been a point of understanding no one's reading into, oh, I haven't talked to so-and-so in this many weeks. Oh, they must not still care for me, right? And so that's one yeah, kind of relationship. Yeah. And again, it comes back to the negotiation of how we talk through these things. Um, it does get funny though, because then for the people that are in my constellation that I've told about my constellation, they will sometimes lovingly ask, oh, how are the other people? How are your other stars? You know, and, and yeah, some of them yeah. they ask about, it. I'm like, oh, we don't, we don't really talk. <laughs> right. We talk in these moments and then we're, you know, really independent. Um, and so that can be kind of interesting when you're not doing the same thing with other people in your constellation. And so yeah, that notion yeah. of the personal negotiation and how you share what you share, and even within those loving bonds, it can still be a little, a little tricky. 
Like I yeah, have one, yeah. one person that I, we drew up a whole agreement, you know, we, it felt helpful to be really detailed about how we're handling this and it becomes something we can come back to. So that notion of negotiation and um, all of that, it's been really important for us making sure, and this is a relationship that has a bunch of different kinds of ties in it um, uh, or types of love as part of it. So it's a little more tender in that case. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I have never done the written up contract thing. And we like with a person that again, also geographically separated, um, you know, talk about, well, how often do we want to check in and, you know, are we checking in out of obligation or are we checking in out of wanting to, uh, you know, what if one person does want to check in, but the other person doesn't and uh, just, yeah, just having those, we just have that conversation every once in a while and shift and adjust as, as sort of needed because we are a little different in terms of how much um, distance contact we're, we want to have. The, the, the emotions, the, the, the pieces that um, hold the relationship together on emotional level are, are I think, very parallel, um, but the, then the practicality pieces are you know, are, don't always align. And so yeah. navigating that can be, can be difficult. And, you know, and, and again, it's, but it's back to like, you know, how do we define our relationship? We don't really, like, there's not a label on it. Um, yeah. And it's just so that even sometimes, you know, it is, it's hard when you're practicing relationship anarchy and you don't have these labels. So, um, you know, sometimes I will use sort of more generic or traditional labels for people again because it's easier and I, do, I don't want to be that activist I don't want to have a learning moment for somebody and then there's other days <laughs> yeah where I do have more energy and I'm like well yes this person is you know like in my life in this way and that doesn't mean that you know that doesn't mean that other people aren't in my life in these other close ways that aren't often seen at the same time yeah. That was so vague because I didn't want to give specific examples to protect people's yeah. people. I didn't, I mean, and this kind of leads into another thing we wanted to talk about, but like, I didn't, none of these people gave me permission to talk to talk about them publicly. Right. Right. So right. therefore I'm not going to, and it's so. Yeah. You know. I'm, so when we have these partnerships or ties with people, it doesn't mean we're on the same page for how we want to talk about our connections and outside of the relationship. And it's so important because the stigma, um, the, f the fear of being targeted or harassed or just misunderstood, like none of us can, has a right to put someone else in the position to open themselves up to that kind of harm, like, yeah. or, or just even worry about backlash, right? Like no one should... I would never say, Chris, I am entitled to you tell, this goes back to the principles again, we're not entitled to each other. So Chris, I feel entitled to tell people that you're one of my life partners. Um, how dare you <laughs> deny me the chance to describe you that way? It's like, this again has to be this negotiation of security. So if someone doesn't want to have you name them, you can still say, I have another tie, I'm respecting their privacy but they're really important to me, right? So we have to make those yeah, decisions yeah. to how do we honor our own truth while not ever violating, like someone who's fearful, I think in this context, I will always prioritize their needs over 
over my desires. Um, yeah. 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 And it's, you know, it's, and it's also the sort of not like, like not my story to tell. So, I mean, I, I appreciate what you're saying about like, I'm like, I, if I'm like, I don't want you defining me that way. Um, then there's, there is that piece, but at the same time, it's your story and it's, yeah. it gets cop, right? So it's yeah. like, well, that's not okay. But also at the same time, it's just like, I can't make up like <laughs> this person. I don't know. It's not I, I guess, like, I don't want to get into stalkery land, but you know, like, oh yes, this celebrity is like my best friend, right? Like, okay, that's not, that's not true. Um, right. So, you know, there's, there's gray areas on, on so many things. And this is just one of them in that sense of describing, you know, describing a relationship that's true to you in the way that's true to you might yep. look slightly different for another person, even, and then, and when is that okay? And when that's not, yeah. then it's just back to communicating and seeing how people are feeling. And acknowledging that you know, where, I mean, I feel like this story is easy to tell within um, queer sexual orientations, right? So for example, not wanting to be someone's, a, you know, someone who mostly identifies as straight, you're their first person, so they're still closeted. Um, and they're not quite out, so you can't hold hands in public, or you can't do this in public. Like, for some people, they have a, a great tolerance for that. For others, that feels like putting yourself back in a closet. And that is that's harmful. It can be yeah, for some people. Yeah. And so I, we all have to decide, you know, someone else can, can establish, this is what I need and what I'm comfortable with. And then we, the person hearing that has to think about, can I, can I sit with this? Can I tolerate this difference between us? Or is that too painful or distressing in some kind of way? And that's where we, we can't force someone to do what we want, but we can also decide, okay, well then I can't, I can't do this kind of connection with you. If, you're going to erase me in every other part of your life. Yeah. For example. <laughs> yes. And it comes back to something you were saying sort of earlier. It's like, where is the, you know, when you were talking about risk assessment, it's just like, where are you safe? And so, yeah. you know, like, who do you tell and how do you tell it? And when do you tell it? It's just like, you know, unfortunately there's, there's safety, there's um, just, risking it's like there's maybe the too soon part or the yeah you know like or do you use or do you use your approach to relationships um you know saying things like i do relationships differently or saying yeah. like those kinds of things are like there are many people in my life who are important to me to use that sort of as that litmus test you know to test the waters to see if this is a kind of person who is you know someone that you want to let into your constellation or if the if people react super negatively maybe that's not somebody that you can really be very vulnerable with yeah well and i think there's also the opportunity to again decide what words we use we've said many times you don't have to claim being a relationship anarchist to be practicing relationship anarchy there's not one way to do it um and so maybe like we need to construct new language. Maybe you need, uh, you know, an individual person out there listening needs to. I can imagine people being like, this is my survivalist community. <laughs> so yeah. when something goes terrible, these are the people I'm going to be focused on surviving alongside. You know, I think I could get behind using some of that language or this is my immediate mutual aid crew. <laughs> yeah. We're the mutual aid part works. I'm laughing at the survivalist only because I, you know. I should not be part of anyone's survivalist plan. <laughs> like I am the, unless you need the slow 
person to to like in the zombie apocalypse as people say like if you need someone to like have be bait then yes you want me on your team but other than that like i am not i'm not lasting very long like it's just not happening this actually came up in one of my classes just today and i was acknowledging like yeah i'm a little limited in my skills for survival gotta work on that <laughs> right exactly so i would i am honored to be considered in some people's quote unquote survivalist groups but as a if that's actually being the literal like no i can't no nah, maybe not yeah i'm, I'm a like, poor choice yeah it goes back to again how do what words do we have we uh, the gift the, the gnarly gift of covid is that we got the language of pods you know who's in your pod and i i do i know we've talked about this before i do feel like that gave us some language that feels permissible you know or feels familiar so again mm -hmm. finding those moments where culturally what has happened that gave us some language that might be useful in a given moment. Um, yeah. And yeah. and again, it's it the specifics and negotiations. It's got to be about what people feel safe doing, what people want to do, um, and that it's not going to look the same way for everyone, right? It's got to be flexible. It might change over time. It change in context, like we've been talking about work, and then in other contexts. And so just honoring, it's almost like you have to go back to the core principles and your values and have a whole nother set of them around communication and how you want to represent this part of your lived experience in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and it seems like a really important thing to to have conversations around. Yeah. 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 So conversations, right, with yourself and thinking about your strategic sharing of where yeah. you do and do, you know, do and do not want to share certain pieces of you and yeah where is it safe risk assessments all that and then also talking to those other people who you know are relevant to the to your thought process about how you're going to talk about it and just letting them either know or asking them if there's any limits in terms of how you, yeah. how you refer to them because oftentimes like if i really think about it i just refer to you know it in public I just refer to like them by name like I don't sit there right. and say oh my insert label here you yeah know, like oh my life partner Lauren or oh my blah 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 I'll just start like mentioning a name and if the name comes up long enough or, like often enough I guess people sort of equate it with oh that person's yeah. important yeah I've used I've used nesting partner for people I've lived with yeah um to sort of say as opposed to like my bow or my lover I, I don't know whatever and i'll say i'll say things like oh this is one of my you know this person's my squish one of, or i can't i think that's one of the words i've used historically um but being really clear like they're not the only one you know one of my yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and just leaving it at that and yeah Again, we don't want people to put feel put in a box that there's only one way to do this. Just again, paying attention to your values, the values of people in your life and needs and safety. And we can do that. We can do these uh, things. A lot of conversation. question though, before we close is, yeah. is the plural of squish squishes or squishes? That's, do you realize that's what, that's why I stopped. I was like, oh, I can't say it plural because I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever, you know, I think squish eye is kind of fun. Squishes. Yeah. I think I've said squishes in the past. Okay. I've gotten away or from squishes using squishes like because of fish. The plural of fish is fish. And so maybe it's just one of my squish. I don't one know. One of my squish. 
We'll have to Google it. We'll have to look up what, where, and when people are using that that term these days. Yes. All right. Well, hopefully this has been a useful conversation that yet again boils down to it's messy and self-determined and, and determined in a collective. Hooray, more conversation. Yes. <laughs> but yes, hopefully we've given you some things to think about on your own to define how you want to talk about about your relationship statuses, status I. All right. All right. <laughs> Bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening to Before You Swipe. If you want to send us your thoughts on sexual, romantic, and or platonic relationships, please email us at beforeyouswipe at gmail.com. That's the letter B, the number four, the letter U, swipe at gmail. Or you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Before You Swipe. Thanks to Hamid Khalid 786 on Pixabay for our fabulous funky beats.